0: Oh my, I have
1: enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. be me, oh me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. and welcome to Code with Kingy's first preview podcast of 2021 where we will be covering the first round of Super Rugby Aotearoa and helping me kick things off is none other than the brother, Matt Tawatt. Enjoy. Well, Kyoto Machu, uh, and welcome back to Co With Kingy in twenty twenty one. I haven't talked to you on the podcast in what seems like forever, um, seeing as like you've probably been one of my loyal guests, bro. So yeah, welcome back and yeah, like how good is it to have Footy back again this coming weekend?
0: Yeah, pleasure, mate. always always good, always happy to be here. And uh yeah, Footy I don't know, it's been it's just such a weird time, I think, whenever Rugby season starts. It's just like, oh shit, it's already here. Cricket's still going, blah blah blah. But nah, bloody pumped. Super Rugby, I at all, was great last season, and um, there's no reason why it can't be as good, if not better, this year with the Chiefs hopefully pulling their mm. socks up a bit and providing a little bit more competition.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that the big learning that I'm looking to get, I guess, some insight on from the from the weeks to come, is just how the coaches look to work their squads because there was quite a high attrition rate last year obviously with playing these derby matches week in, week out. And so I think that this is actually going to be a test of a lot of teams' depth, um, which some teams have in boatloads, loads and some teams seem to lack. And it's just about how all those teams sort of find that balance if they are to end up winning the competition, bro. But before we get into the games this weekend, um, I want to highlight some of the stuff that I guess is front of mind that's new to this year. Um, and to start us off, I guess it's just the rules, bro. So in the competition in 2021 we're going to be seeing the introduction of a goal line dropout something that's been adopted from league as well as a captain's referral so I've got my own thoughts on both of them bro but just off the top of the head for you like what do you make of having these two things introduced to the game?
0: Yeah I think I mean, from the the little bit of preseason rugby that I've watched I think the goal line dropout is uh, it's going to change the game quite drastically kind of in that around the, the halfway line or a little bit, kind of inside opposition territory, I think there's going to be quite a few grubber kicks kind of through it, trying to force that goal line drop out. Yeah, we saw that a couple of times already in the preseason. season um, Obviously, it speeds up the game because scrums take forever if, if that is the result. So I suppose that's a good aspect of it, but I just hope that we don't see teams kicking the ball away too often when they do kind of reach a uh, reasonable area to, to the opposition and goal. What do you reckon about it?
1: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm the exact same. I'm going to be interested to see what teams with ball in hand do when they do get close to the line, because I guess now, rather than kicking it through and then having to be forced to play out from the twenty-two and get back, teams are now under their own post, having to clear the kick. So, mm. yeah, like you, I'm hoping that there isn't too much kicking. But even from open play, I mean, we saw a couple of times in that Crusaders Highlanders game, and I think a couple of times in the Hurricanes Highlanders game where the, the full of the wingers they go back to click the ball in in the in goal area and they weren't quite sure, you know, they probably didn't rush back quick enough, you know, like yeah. like you see the league players do to make sure they get the ball out. Um so yeah, that that's going to be an interesting turn as well to see like how many, I guess, just thinking off the top of my head, like you, tactically what you could do is if you put on a real intense tick, kick chase and weigh the ball yeah. perfectly, you might see a lot of teams, you know, looking to hoe the ball straight into touch because you don't want to be caught, you know, two meters out from your own goal line, um, with only, I don't know, a couple of backs in support. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah and I, I, that's, we'll... that's
0: the main difference between league, right? Like in mm. league, you can just take the tackle and there's no repercussions. Like you can wait five seconds, play the ball, let the rest of your teammates get behind you. Whereas in, you know, rugby, rugby union, you've got the whole defensive line coming at you. They already had an advantage because they don't have to go back around the high men's feet. So. Mm. Yeah, it's, like it's quite a different rule even though on face value it's the exact same. So yeah, I think there's, there's going to be a few different ways that teams use it and probably a, a pretty strong advantage to be found out when a little bit of trial and error does take place.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think even like what I mentioned before with being close to the goal line, um, when teams have the ball, you know, sort of in that red zone, it's going to be interesting to see how sort of the halfbacks and the fullbacks and the wingers defend because there is going to be, I guess, that incentive to kick because, like I mentioned, teams are having to clear it from their own goal line now. So is that going to take someone out of the defensive line perhaps, you know, like yeah, in terms true. of like how these guys sort of survey the field? Um again like like with any new rule that gets introduced it's going to be a lot of trial and error There are going to be teams that pick up on it quickly and they're going to be some teams that maybe you know in terms from a personnel perspective maybe don't quite click in time and it's not till maybe two or three weeks down the line that they start to pick up on things which you know could be detrimental to some things I mean you only have to look at the the case of the the, the chiefs and the hurricanes where a couple of they drop a couple of games early on um, or more so for the hurricanes really that they string together all these wins, but as a consequence of losing their opening games due to some you know poor decision making, they don't put themselves in a position to win the competition. So, yeah, like again, like we saw last year, it's pretty much who gets out of the box the fastest and who can hold that lead. But then, yeah, getting over the captain's referral, like just for me, bro, like I'm all for like making the correct call in the game and having the opportunity to look back on stuff. But I'm I'm just really hoping that it doesn't slow it down too much. Because, I mean, what we've seen in league is that players do it. And, yeah, they, they, they've talked about like that 10-second timestamp where you can argue what the referee's um, decision's been. But, yeah, like part of me, like with all this sort of stuff, I accept that the referee's going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just all part and parcel of the game. And, you know, just for me, there's just an expectation that if you're refereeing at that level, just like if you're playing at that level, mistakes are going to be at a minimum. So, yeah, as long as it doesn't take too much away and there's not too many stoppages? Because, I mean, like, if a captain, you know, gets the referral right, they keep that referral. And if there are constant referrals in and around the game, like, that's my only sort of query with it. But, yeah, interested to see what you think about it, though.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of it. I think referees, well, TMO involvement especially, has become so prominent in the last couple of years. So we're already getting stoppage after stoppage of, you know, potential foul play or... A dangerous entry into the ruck, or there was an offside two phases ago. So that's already slowed the game down so much. Like we saw that heaps at the World Cup last, well, oh, whenever it was two years ago now, it was, isn't it? So yeah, we saw that heaps then, and, and now to be having the captain's challenge added in there as well. It's just a bit of a technology uh, overload for for me, being the rugby boomer that I am. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can't take anything out of that argument, bro, or go against that. I'm, yeah, I'm more so leaning towards your side, man. But speaking about the footy and who's going to be adopting all of these rules, um, like we said, I are the players in the 2021 competition where on Friday night we have the Highlanders taking on the Crusaders at Forsyth Bar for the season opener. Um, and so I'll start with the home team, bro. Um, it's got three quick points to jot through like I will with all the other teams. Uh, who's your ideal Highlanders back three? Now, I know they've come out and named their team today. Um, and I'm sort of sceptical with it, but like for you, like who would you have gone with, knowing you know what personnel they have at their disposal at this current point in time?
0: Yeah, I was um, I was a little bit surprised. I'm assuming Viliami Koloa is injured, given that he's not on the bench or in the, the starting team. I would have had him at fullback. Solomon Lau Marlo, handy. I, I rate him a lot. I would have had him on the wing, and then uh, Jonah Nariki, I, I love him too. So. That would have been my starting back three. But, yeah, obviously question marks around Kuroi's health, given that he's not even in the 23, unless they're just putting him aside for the sevens. I'm not too sure. Do you know anything there?
1: I think from what I saw from some of the highlights that I've seen, I think he's with the sevens. Um, I think he might have made a commitment to that team uh, under the impression that the Olympics are still going ahead. Um, On top of maybe, you know, the competition in his position, you know, I'm not too sure. But I know that he's with the sevens, so that's the thing from his absence.
0: Gotcha, yeah, I suppose that, that makes a little bit more sense then, but um, yeah, no, I think Conor Garden Basham is interesting one, like pretty untested at this level, it might even be his debut, I'm not 100% sure, so he's like he's been good enough in the 10 um, Cup and he looked pretty handy in pre-season, so yeah, no, keen to see how he goes.
1: Conor Guarda Basham is an interesting one, not to say that I don't think he has the potential to play at this level, but... He's obviously made quite an impression during the preseason. I've seen a lot of articles mentioning um, him putting together some strong performances, but I don't know. For me, I feel like for a, for a season opener, while I guess this is Tony Brown's you know first go-round as a head coach, and even looking at the, the, the team he's deployed even through the midfield with C.O. Tomkinson and Nani at Centre, it seems like he's trying to stack his back line with as much X-Factor as possible. And that's not to say that I'm not a fan of X-Factor, but I would have preferred to have seen someone like a Michael Collins potentially at centre. I thought he put together um quite a strong case to to be their 13 at the back end of last year and even through the Martin Cup. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I can't fault with where Brownie's gone, but, yeah, I'd sort of envisaged having Mitch Hunt at full-back, Iwani at first five, sort of that pivot stuff that I thought, again, worked quite well last year. And then on that right wing move in Alai Malo there, and then, yeah, of course, having John Anariki there, but... Yeah, they're, they're, I'm guessing like with the changing of the guard, like I mentioned just before, the thing for the Highlanders last year, um, outside of their Type 5 and maybe not being able to compete as much as some of the other um, big fellows rolling around the country, was that they probably didn't have the strike power or that ability to make something out of nothing like they'd had with the Ben Smith and a Wysocki Naholo. So maybe this is his attempt to try and unearth some bolter and just run with it because like, like we have seen with a lot of wingers that come onto the scene who you don't really have a lot of tape on they can sort of hit the ground running quite quickly and all they need is a bit of confidence and a bit of front football and then bang they're off doing their thing but like i mentioned just a moment to my second point uh mitch hunt is starting at first five in place of the all black josh airwani are you for that or against that? nah I'm,
0: I'm against that i think uh, we spoke about it a little bit last year i mean to be honest, I'm happy that Ioane's not at second five because that was an absolute shit show. But I still would have loved to have seen him start at first five. Like nothing, nothing against Mitch Hunt, but I think it's pretty clear um, that the talent levels there are clearly in favour of Josh Ioane in, in my mind. So um, a little bit confused as to why Tony Brown's going with Mitch Hunt there. I was, yeah, even you know the the new coach. I thought that might have given Ioane a fresh start and given him the um, the number ten jumper from day dot. But not The case, so yeah, I'm hoping that it's a couple games away.
1: Yeah, now, like, don't take this, um, we'll take this with a grain of salt. From what I've heard, is that Josh Iwani came into Super Rugby last year, maybe lacking a bit of fitness. Now, I know that he had the injury going into Super Rugby Aotearoa, but I think even prior to that, there might have been a question mark around that. Oh, this is the stuff that I've read. I, I I don't know Josh Iwani from a bar of soap, and I don't want to throw any slander his way, but I'm not sure maybe that went into maybe the thinking around having Mitch Hunt start at first five. Maybe Brownie just prefers him. And Aaron Major thought that Josh was his guy when Tony was more like a a Mitch Hunt guy to begin with, you know, seeing as at the start of last year, they put him at 10. You know, given that he's not as big a body as Josh and maybe that's the reason why they decided to move Iwani to 12. Um, But yeah, I I just thought that 10-15 tandem worked quite well at the back end of last year. But again, it's obviously one a little bit more punch. But yeah, hopefully this doesn't spell the end of, uh, I guess, like a starting gig for Iwani, and maybe this is maybe the, the kick-up the arse he needs if there is something going on behind the scenes. Or potentially he moves to another franchise, maybe one in yellow. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to hint at to that Get too. Him much. <laughs> Get him
0: up here. Get
1: him up here. Nah, Jackson's Take going. him in the Insta
0: post. <laughs> Josh, Yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: All right, um, well, my last point with uh, the Hollanders is their forwards. Now, they've lost quite a key guy, who, or who I thought was a key guy in Dylan Hunt, um, and they've replaced him with Billy Harmon, but I'm guessing that once James Lynch he's comes back to full fitness, given he was the captain last year, he'll look to usurp that role, and they've even got a Japanese international coming in, but I mean... I wh- think I
0: just read earlier today that he's out for majority of the season, um, that Kazuki Kimono, I think his
1: name was. Oh, really? Um,
0: yeah, so it's another blow for them.
1: Uh, mm, well, there we go. Latest and breaking news on COVID, Kenny. If you <laughs> if you, are, you like getting in on this now, um, but yeah, I mean, for you, like their Fords punched well above their weight, um, when they sort of did come right uh, in Super Rugby Aotearoa, But are you expecting much of the same, or do you hope that they will be an improved outfit, banking off what they'd done last year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think they'll be solid enough again. Like they they lost Josh Dixon for I think it was about the back half of last season, which uh, which hurt them quite clearly. Um, Putty Putty Parkinson will hopefully be back shortly as well. So and those are pretty, two pretty good locks there. The Lucys, are, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty good bunch. Same with the front row. But when you compare it to the likes of the Crusaders and the Blues, it's just such a far cry from, from what they have. And to be honest, I think that'll be pretty obvious come Friday night when they take on the Crusaders.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very interested to see that match up, I'm hoping that it's a close game and I think that the back lines might be up for it but yeah, that type 5 I'm not quite sold on especially with not having um, putty, putty there and even Shannon Frizell's form towards the back end of last year, I mean he was a monster um, during Super Rugby Aotearoa but couldn't quite carry that over to the all black level and I'm hoping that that doesn't do anything to his psyche or to his confidence come this Friday. But rolling on to the Crusaders though, um, they've got a couple of injuries of their own with Braden Ennort and George Bridge being out, which would have made picking Will Jordan an easier task. I mean, like, I was the one singing his praises last year, like the rest of the country saying that he needed to play, but of course they had a couple of other players in his position. And again, the Crusaders have named their lineup for today, and they've put the young buck Dallas McLeod at second five. Now, would you have done that? Um... Yeah, it was
0: a tough one with David Hub really getting injured last week, but obviously he would have been the the go to guy there. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really don't really know which other Avenue I would have would have taken there. And he's he's proven to be like a, a decent enough player as is going up against like CO Tompkinson, meh, like he's not not a great attacking player anyway. So I, I, yeah, I, I think Dallas McLeod will be fine there.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I, I think that had David Havili not got injured, he would have started at second five. That would have been my thinking. But I'm hoping that the young fella does go all right. I, I wouldn't have been deterred had I seen potentially Lester Nuku move into centre and keeping Jack Kudhue at second five. Because that was sort of like my yeah. thing. it's like, well, if Jack Kudhue's playing second five for the All Blacks, is Razor going to keep him there? But that's not the case, or at least for the time being. So. He's I guess it in was full
0: iffy FU mode after not
1: getting the coaching. Team. <laughs> Potentially <laughs> bro, like like who knows? But yeah, I mean I and I the only reason I mentioned Dallas McLeod is because I did like the look of that young winger that they've got uh, down yeah. in Canterbury at the moment, that Shea Fee Yeah, and, he
0: did look
1: good. Yeah, and that was like, well, if we move Jack Kudy to second five, keep him there for the all blacks' sake, and you push the List of Nuku to centre, we had played sort of in that age group bracket then that opens up a, um, an opening for the young Fijian. I think he's Fijian on the wing. So props to Dels McLeod, though. He's obviously put in the mahi, um, and fingers crossed he goes all right on Friday. But among the other uh, injury talks, or I guess this one's a return from injury, is uh, Scott Barrett. Uh, and he's only bolstered that forward pack, which already boasts the likes of Sam Whitelock, Joe Moody, Cody Taylor, Cullen Grace, who's an All Black now, Tom Christie, who was a bolter last year, and even the returning Ethan Blackadder. So, given the boost that four peckers had with the guys who have had an All Black campaign under their belt now, and the ones returning from injury, or the ones they didn't have um, available for selection, are the Crusaders better this year than they were last year? Yeah,
0: honestly, I think they are. They pretty much didn't lose anyone. Like Billy Harmon and Fatoubi Paya were kind of the only two guys that that played last season that they lost, and then. They didn't make any massive additions, but obviously Scott Barrett being back is is huge. So um, I think it is fair to say that they they are better, and then the young bucks that they do have, another year under their belt, like they're only going to improve. You've got to imagine. So barring any injuries, I think they are going to be a better side, and yeah, I think they're clear front runners for the competition. Do you agree I, I, with that?
1: Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. I think that any time you have players coming back with an All Black. Um, bit of experience under the belt, and then having the likes of Scott Barrett, I mean, your skipper come through. Uh, yeah, I guess it only spells well for the future. But then e- even building off that bro, to get to my last point with the Crusaders, uh, Richie Mwanga has been the guy in Super Rugby the last three or four years, and he's done it having Bowden Barrett nipping at his heels. Now, I'm not sure if that was a good thing and something that sort of kicked him on to maybe put in the extras while nobody else was looking, or whether or not he didn't even like notice it at all, but Bota's not here in 2021, he's over in Japan so what are you expecting from Wanga? Do you think he's going to take it to another level or do you think he's going to rest on his laurels? Or well, not rest on his laurels but just be the same guy that we've seen the last couple of years.
0: Yeah I, I think we'll get much of the same like it's not like when he's played and years gone by that he's been you know reserved and super cautious about his game in fear of you know making a mistake and, and losing ground on Barrett or anything like that like you know he's he plays a such a, a flary game that, with I suppose less pressure now, then uh, yeah, I don't see any reason why he would change his game. So, I think we'll we'll pretty much see a, another ripper of a season out of him, and um, yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll show that on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I mean he's just he's a, he's a wizard, and I mean it, like in fairness, he does have a bit of a Rolls Royce Ford pack to roll behind. But I think for me, as someone who had cast his doubts about him, given his um, his performances at the All Black level, they were never quite up to what he had done at Super Rugby, which is a given, you know, especially for someone so early on in his career. But I think that towards the back end of last year where there were a couple of games, especially that Blues one, where they played down in Christchurch, yeah. where he really just took the game um, at the scruff of the neck and managed to drag that Crusaders out for the across the line, sorry. And then even, even in that game in, in Sydney uh, for the All Blacks, I think that he's shown that he does have the Ability to churn out, you know, unbelievable performances at that test level. It's just a matter of making sure that I guess he now his prepture prepped during the week, and he gets the ball, um, you know, on the front foot, or, or even if he's playing behind the back foot. It's just about making sure that he's in control, because I think that 10-15 access with Bowden Barrett, a lot of the time they found themselves stepping on each other's toes, or not knowing when to come in and when to come out. Whereas I think now, I think we'll see an even bigger star, personally, like, and, and, and that's sort of hard to believe, given like what he's achieved, but, yeah, I do expect big things from Wonga in 2021, but, with that being said, bro, um, who do you have winning and, bo- and, bo- yeah, and by what margin on Friday night?
0: Yeah, I think, um, as you can probably tell from what I've said so far, I think the Crusaders, we have, is pretty easy. Obviously, the Highlanders being at home is a, a big boost for them, Forsyth Bar has proven to be a little bit of a, Tough place to win in the past, but no, I can't I just can't see the Crusaders losing this. Like They're so much better on paper. That four package is just so good and then the back line's not far behind them. Compare that to the Highlanders team, that's you know, it's quite young, very patchy with the class of players. Like you know obviously Aaron Smith's amazing, but then there's all that of Jack Regan and, you know, Connor Garden Bishop, who's a very young fellow out on the wing going up against um, couple of the, the best backs in New Zealand. It's um, Yeah, I think it could be a long night for the Highlanders, so I reckon Crusaders by, we'll say, 12.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I'm in total agreement with who's going to win the game. I think the Crusaders, off the back of all that experience they've got coming back into the team and the Highlanders' lack of it, uh, that, that, yeah... The Red and Blacks will walk away um, from Forsyth with the W. But I'm, I'm actually going to pick a closer game. I, I feel like the Hollanders will be up for it. The, all the students will be up for it coming back from all the different parts around the country. And yeah, I'm going to go by five. I think it's going to be a closer game than what people expect. But yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how the action unfolds. Um, but rolling on to the second game though. So we've got the Blues taking on the Hurricanes in the capital on Saturday night. Now, the Blues took a massive step forward in 2020, thanks in large part to their forwards. And in 2021, they've added the likes of Nepo Lalala and Dylan Hunt to their squad. So this is just a, a bit of a run or pass question for you, bro. Um, and it's even difficult considering what we've just mentioned with the Crusaders. But are the Blues title favourites in 2021? Like, looking at their team on paper?
0: No. No, I think they're the second best team in the competition. But, nah, they're not, not as good as the Crusaders do I, I think. Bowden Barrett, obviously, not being there is is a huge loss. Even, you know, there's, there's a few more low-key ones, like Sione Mafaleo and James Parsons. Like, they didn't have a huge role to play last year, but those are two, like, pretty solid Super Rugby players that they've got to fill the gaps with. You know, even if it is on the bench, um, those are two positions that get a lot of burn, even if they are preserved. So, nah, Crusaders, clear title favourites for me.
1: I don't know, I, I love backing, well they're not an underdog but I like backing a non-favourite and for me when I look at that team on paper you've got two all-black front rowers and Ofa Fasi and Karl Nukuwafi who I'm guessing are going to start and then on the bench you've got Nepo Laulala and Alex Hodgman who are also all-blacks and then I look to their back row I mean you've got Hoskins Satutu I am think he's a bit of a question mark for this coming weekend I think he's got a bit of a niggle I think you've got Blake Gibson, Dalton Papalii, Kiri Iwani. Patrick to Tom Robinson, who was an all-black so like the, those. That team is full of a lot of quality players, and there seems to be a bit of depth there. But like you said, experience does count for a lot, so um, I'm guessing like the TAB is probably back in your horse in terms of who the favourite is for this race, but I don't know. I, I I do like the look of the Blues, even with the loss of burden Barrett, who I mentioned is playing uh, over in Japan at the moment, and has left a bit of a void at that 15 jersey, but I feel like they do have a bit of the quality, and I think that, especially when you're in the outside back, so I know that fullback is a bit more of a decision-making role, but I've liked the looks of like the the young kid Zan Sullivan out of Auckland, um, yeah, or even putting Steven Petalfeta sure. there, who had a solid mid 10 season, but or who I also thought looked the goods before they went into the COVID lockdown um, for the Blues when they went over to South Africa. So, yeah, I think a lot of... What happens with the Blues will be dictated by how well Otiri Black goes or how much front football he can get and then how quickly he transfers that on to the likes of TJ Faiani, Kayla Clark and Rikki Iwani. Uh, yeah, I'm,
0: I'm pretty interested with that. Like, Obviously, he had the comfort of calling on Bowdoin Barrett to come in at first receiver you know, pretty much half of the time last season. Um, So he's going to have way more of a load on his plate this year, you would imagine, without a, a playmaking fullback. So, yeah, pretty keen to keep an eye on him, but I can't say I'm expecting him to be as impactful as what he was last year.
1: Um, and then mentioning the guys that I that I just rattled through in Ricky Iwani. Now, he's another one who had a pretty solid Super Rugby season last year, um, moving one place inwards to centre. So do you see him playing at centre consistently for the Blues, considering we, we do have Jack Goodhue, Braden Enor, and Leonard-Brown Nani Amapi, all those sorts of guys already sort of clog in that space? Or do you think he's better off actually spending a bit more time on the wing?
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I think he's kind of made his decision now. Like, the Blues, I mean, obviously, he's, if he did want to be on the wing, he would be able to bump out Mark Talia. But that's not to say Mark is not, like, a, a good super rugby player anyway. So there's like there's enough competition in the Blues on the wings to for him to stay at centre, I think. Like, who would be their backup centre? Maybe like Moni Narua or, yeah, I don't even know who else would be there, to be honest. Probably just Narawa, or maybe TJ Fiani would move out to centre and Plummer at second five or something, I don't know. But that would kind of leave them with a bit of a void in the midfield as well. So I'd imagine Juane will stay there for the rest of the season.
1: Mm, I mean, I I like him at centre, honestly. I think that he was just the unfortunate victim of a not-so-great day for back play. Um, yeah. And especially like making that jump up to the test level in the midfield, he had a few poor defensive reads, which ended up costing the All Blacks points. Um, and then off the back of that, with you know the outcry from the New Zealand rugby public, he was the sacrificial lamb almost with with having to make way to Antoninette Brown and that Jack Goodhue pairing. So, yeah, I mean, and, and even off the back of that though, like by him not playing on the wing for the Blues, whether or not that will actually impact. Ian Foster's still not looking at him as a wing, if you, if you get what I mean. I feel yeah, like you can yeah. probably transfer a lot of your play from centre to the wing rather than vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like him there. I think he's probably the one with the most potential out of all the players that we've got, but it's more about him getting an opportunity now because, yeah, who's to know whether or not he'll get another one anytime soon considering, the, I guess, the faith that Ian Foster has put into the, the two guys that I previously mentioned. But rolling on to the Canes, uh, they too have lost quite a bit of experience, You know, us talking about Bowdoin Barrett and the impact that will have on the Blues, but for two consecutive seasons, the Hurricanes have lost their two most experienced backs, Bowdoin Barrett and then this coming year, TJ Peranada. Now, I already know how, I, I think I know how much of an impact this will have on the campaign, but do you want to shed some light on what you think will happen with the Hurricanes without having there 9 and 10 of the last decade.
0: Yeah I think Peter Nade going is a significant blow. I'm probably not as high on him as what the general New Zealand public is. I don't think he's as good as a halfback as, as what he's usually made out to be but that said when uh, when Jamie Booth is also out for the season that leaves quite a gap. Jonathan Tamatini is probably going to be the starting halfback and you know he's, he's Proven to be pretty solid for counties, but um, when you look at the class of the rest of the halfbacks in the competition, you know, have got Sam Nock, the Christie, Brad Webber, uh, Bryn Hall, Aaron Smith, and there's probably a few other, oh, Flau Fokatawa as well, you know, he deserves a mention. Like, there's so many good halfbacks in New Zealand, and for the Hurricanes to be rolling out, Taumatini is their number one, it's a pretty big weakness for them, I'd say. What about you?
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% agreement. Um, firstly, with TJ uh, like for anyone who's followed this podcast over the last year they will have known that I'm not the biggest fan of his but what is worth mentioning is that his leadership and his manner within the Hurricanes team I don't think can go understated and like even if you look at that last game the Hurricanes played last year against the Highlanders, um, as good as Jamie Booth was with ball in hand I think there is something to be said about the organisation that Perenata brings to the team when he's on the field. Now, not that I think he, that he's the classiest defender, but I feel like he's been around the game long enough and he knows the Hurricanes inside and out, that he knows where hole's going to pop up and he tends to fill them either himself or with whatever forward is closest nearby. So, yeah, I'm, I think, again, like because I'm not the biggest backer of his pass, I'm not sure how much impact it'll have on the attacking side of the game for the Hurricanes, but I think defensively, I think that's where we might become undone. Now, of course, like for the Fords, um, I mean, for the Pedernada to even be making a tackle, or Toma for this year to be making a tackle, they have to get through the Ford pack first. And similar to the Highlanders, I think that the Hurricanes Ford pack punches above their weight, but they're still relatively undersized in a lot of key areas in comparison to the other clubs. Now, again, do you think this will prove telling?
0: Yeah, I think it will. It's kind of been the... Achilles here of the Hurricanes for, for God knows how long. I mean, you know, even that like twenty sixteen title winning uh type five wasn't, you know, amazing. But this year's one again is is nothing special. You know, Dane Coles and the Moore is two hookers as good as what you could ask for, but then outside of that, there's not a heck of a lot to get excited about. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Walker Leawidie, but he doesn't seem to get a lot of burn. Uh, at least in the starting team. So um, I'm hoping that he can kind of get his way in there and, and partner up James Blackwell shortly into the season. And then, you know, Tyrell Lomax, obviously an all-black, and he's, um, he's a handy enough player. But, yeah, when, as, as I kind of went back to before, like when you compare it to the Crusaders and the Blues, um, that type five is just quite a way off the mark, and, and that's going to be huge, especially, you know, set pieces so important with referees becoming more and more strict with the whistle at those points of the game
1: i think that the biggest thing for me and you know i mean i mean no disrespect to any of the forwards um, in the hurricanes but i think we do have quite a few toilers and it's awesome to have toilers. you know they're going to be guys who are going to go out there and you know that they're going to put together you know seven out of tens practically week in week out but I think that the Hurricanes do lack a bit of punch. Um, and I think that Tyra Lomax certainly made a huge impact coming in last year to steady up the scrum. Uh, and again, we have the likes of the X Factor with Asafo Moore and Dane Coles sort of roaming around on the edges. But yeah, I think especially like you, you sort of want to have one big bolstering lock like you said with Isaiah walker with it. but unfortunately like he doesn't seem to be the one in favour at the moment. And then even at that number six position, I mean, having Duplicy, Karifi there and Adi Sevilla, who are two awesome players but are relatively undersized for their positions, you sort of need that big, sort of bulky brute force follow there to help combat their lack of size, but we just don't have it. So, yeah, I, I like you said, comparing our loose forward trios and their combination in comparison to the Hurricanes, I think that, yeah, it could prove again, to be one of the weaknesses for them. But, yeah, again, um, rolling onto the backs, though. uh, Similar to Richie Moanga, who we previously mentioned, Geordie Barrett has come into his own the last few seasons and looks, by all accounts, to be the All Black 15 in 2021 with his brother's departure. Now, he was the man last year when he came back. Of course, he missed the first two games, which the Hurricanes dropped, and then they went on that winning streak. And, yeah, he was from... What the teams voted their MVP. So, do you think that he can take his game to another level this year and help that the Hurricanes avoid the wooden spoon, or is that job too big for one man?
0: Yeah, I think he's um, he was great last year when he um, when he came back. I think he makes such a difference. Like having even just the goal kicking, it's um, it's a massive massive tool to have when you can, when you've got someone who can boot it from you know, 55, 60 meters. That's a huge advantage and then I think defensively he was so much better last year as well like he really seems to have bulked up even though it doesn't you know, even though he doesn't look massive Hit quite a few tackles, where he was just like Dominant over the ball runner, which is like quite rare for a fullback to have so I think he'll be great this year and, and to be honest It's a it's another bloody good backline that the hurricanes have so I don't think they're destined for the wooden spoon But uh, I don't think their title contenders either I reckon they'll be finishing in third place,
1: the uh, the Mighty Canes. Mm, yeah, I had this chat with my, my old man actually the other weekend. He was saying that he reckons that the Hurricanes are going to finish last. Um, simply of the fact that there hasn't been any real addition to their forward pack and the fact that they've lost their captain or co-captain at halfback and then not having seen maybe quite enough as he would have liked from that first five positions. So Yeah, like you, um, I don't think they're going to finish last. I I feel like they do have enough class and enough wow factor across the park to help them avoid fifth place. But at the same time, I feel like every other team has got the exact same amount of potential as the Hurricanes. Or at least, you know, the Chiefs and the Highlanders do. I feel like they on any given day can knock off any of those top teams, um, given what we've seen in the preseason. Uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed that's not the case. But, yeah, why don't we get into the, well, who we think is going to win on Saturday night. So, yeah, for you, who's going to win, the Blues or the Canes?
0: Yeah, I've got the the Blues in a narrow one there. I think, the, you know, obviously being at the is, um, is is big for the Canes, and they... Yeah, they did beat the Blues last year at home, didn't they? I think Geordie got that last-minute penalty to, mm-hmm. to get the win. So, like, they, they'll be confident enough going into it. And as I said before, like, their, their backs are probably as dangerous as anyone else in the competition. It's just, um, you know, whether that four-pack can do the job. And as you touched on, like, that, that loose four-trio is, is tidy enough, especially Kirifi and Savia. So I think the Canes are in with a sniff. But, the yeah, the, the Blues have just put together... Again, like a, a really solid team, I think that that tight five, as we touched on, is just going to be a bit too dominant for the Hurricanes to really get any you know prolonged possessions with the ball and, and really score enough points to beat the Blues. So yeah, as I said, I think it'll be tight, but the Blues to to edge the Canes there, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I'm picking the exact same result, my man. I I feel like the the Hurricanes were overachievers in 2020. Um, and probably like the, the biggest thing I probably took away from them is that once they got on a bit of a roll I mean like anyone you have a bit of confidence and so like you mentioned I think that they'll go into their first game at home with a bit of confidence and the belief that they can win having done it last year but like like I mentioned I, I just feel like that Blues forward pack has gone up another level um, with the two additions of All Blacks and yeah like while they may have lost Bowdoin Barrett I feel like should they play, you know, Sullivan or Peter I don't feel like with the backline that they have at their disposal, that it shouldn't make too much of an impact as well, considering the the lack of authority that Barrett really played with before the end of that season. So, yeah, I'm picking the Blues to win a narrow one as well, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's um that's a wrap for round one of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Obviously, we had to come back on Sunday or Monday to get a gauge on like how well our predictions went mate so yeah for the time sure. being my friend uh yeah really appreciate you coming on again
0: always a pleasure mate never a chore and uh, i'm sure we'll be recapping on monday for a, a two from two prediction from uh yours truly
1: all right mate i look forward to it catch you, <laughs> you
0: then, mate